It is blowing my mind to see what God is doing through this season of the podcast focused on healing. So many conversations have happened and are scheduled, and each of them is bringing something valuable to the table. And I really hope that we're paying attention, but I really hope that I'm paying attention because it's becoming clear that there are things that God is doing within me through these conversations. And it's been such a blessing, such a gift to being able to hear these stories from so many amazing people. And Rachel's story is no different. She shares a powerful story of living her best life until suddenly she passed out and came to learn that she had a brain tumor. But here's what I really love about this conversation, is we spent less time talking about the actual healing that happened and more time talking about the deeper healing that God is inviting us to. And more than that, we talked about how prone we are to actually reject what God is offering. And we reject it because we're afraid. We're afraid of what it could cost us. We're afraid of what we could lose. We're afraid of so many things from a loving God. A loving God who wants abundantly more for us, who wants full life for us, and who knows us and what we need more deeply than we ever could. God the healer desires and is offering healing to us and we are capable of rejecting it. So I want to encourage you to listen in on this episode and then consider how in your life God might be offering healing and how you might be saying, I don't want that. You're listening to episode 68 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for the stories that you've been bringing about. I thank you for Rachel and the story that you've given her and the story that you're still writing in her life and whatever it is that you are intending to bring out in this conversation we're about to have. And so to that end, we just give it to you. We just thank you that you do still speak and you do still work. And so we just invite you to do that here. Guide our words, guide our thoughts, guide our questions. Above all, we just pray that you are honored and glorified. But we also know that you can do abundantly more through our simple words. And so we give it all to you. I'm trusting you to work. Let's pray in his holy name. Amen. Amen. So Rachel, we have never met. We connected through Podmatch and I know very little about you, which always gets me excited for conversations like these because I don't know what's in store. But because I believe that God brought about this conversation, I believe he may know what's in store and I'm ready to see what happens. So before we start, you have been hired by Hallmark to create a card that's just about you, but it has to fit within the card. So you've just given me the card. I'm opening it up. What do I read? What is the Hallmark short version of you? I'm Rachel McCants, an author, speaker, and founder of R. Lindsay Unlimited. Born and raised in Dallas, Texas, my health was impacted in a major way in 2016. A growing brain tumor inspired R. Lindsay Unlimited, a business devoted to encourage, inspire, and challenge ladies to discover and raise their self-worth and standards, not settle and walk in God's will in all aspects of their lives. I was blessed to publish my first book, Ladies As We Love Ourselves, a six-step program to self-worth. And now Christians hire me to ignite a dose of Jesus because most do not seek him 
busy, get too stressed and fall short of accomplishing their goals. I support them to achieve growth in their relationship with Christ and become more productive through a morning routine. Bottom line, it's by his grace. That's good. I like that. You got that down. <laughs> you know, right out the gate, you mentioned in 2016, you had a brain tumor. And, yes. and that's not a small thing. I have a stepbrother who also had a brain tumor and there's a lot of unknowns and uncertainties and it definitely changes the course of your life. And, you know, we've been working through this season focused on healing. And so I'm curious to see, you know, clearly you are here and we are talking, but I have a sense that there are some things that God wants to bring out in this conversation about healing. And so I guess the best way to get there is tell me the story. Tell me about yeah. coming into 2016 when everything changed. When everything changed. So I just moved to a new position in retail where I was an assistant manager for a showroom. And then I promoted to showroom manager and I was encouraging and engaging with young girls and helping them discover their goals and their wants for their future, especially aligning in fitness. And I'm a little bit of a fitness fanatic. I'm a certified Zumba instructor, and I would teach these girls dance classes. So I would teach them different dance routines, and it was so much fun, and I would enjoy it. And I also, part of my role was to connect with the studios because those connections to go with the showroom so we could just have a relationship and have different events with the different fitness studios. And so I was working out a lot to build these relationships. And during this time with the promotion to showroom manager, I started getting random body pains and they were just weird to me. But I figured since I was trying new workouts, even though I was already a bit of a workout fanatic, Pilates and bar and all the new things that were coming out for fitness, I loved but I thought it was just extra stress on my body along with the promotion to managing. And I was on my way to teach a dance class to some of the girls. And when I got there, I got out of my car and pulled my work stuff out of the back seat and put my backpack on my back. And I fell straight backwards. I passed out and I had no idea what was going on. And God being God, he's so good a lady came down out of the garage just in the nick of time and asked me, would you like me to call somebody for you? And I gratefully told her yes, because again, I had no idea what was going on. And this gave me time to call the regional manager and my mom and her and my sister came and took me to one of the 24 hour emergency rooms. And it was such another blessing because when we got there, the intake nurse, she said, you help me and my daughter at the showroom where you work. And it's so interesting that you're here. And I'm like, well, I need help. <laughs> and so it was a blur, but it was so fast. And honestly, when I passed out in the garage, I heard God say, I've got this, watch me work. And it has just been such a blessing ever since the tumor was discovered. I was moved to a larger hospital. Then I had brain surgery the following month. Three, It was a grade three brain tumor on my pineal gland that grew. Mm. And so it needed to be removed. And so that's when I had brain surgery. The tumor was discovered June 4th. And then I had brain surgery July 1st. And then I went through chemo, radiation. I was bald twice. Mm. 
and I am completely healed by the grace of God. There is a chance that it will grow back, but we are claiming never again. Mm -hmm. So we will see what happens. Wow. That's, that's powerful. And you said that that experience is what prompted what you're doing now. Yes. I say that God had to physically break me to help me and get me on the path that he be on. I wanted to be a dancer. I honestly was trying out for Dallas Mavericks dancers. Mm. I was doing all the things to put me in the spotlight. I always wanted to be a speaker, but speak for me. Now I speak for the Lord and share all he's done for me and what he can do for others. And it's just all for his glory now. Mm. But yes. And what is really interesting is in the showroom, I was in corporate. And I thought I was supposed to be in corporate, my degrees in communication, minor in English. So I was working for a television station and I was working in broadcast and it was great until it wasn't. And I went back to retail because I did retail in college and a little bit before I got into corporate. And so I ended up back in retail and I was like, why? But the retail company that I worked for was so intentional and they made you think about your goals and what you really wanted to do because they wanted you to operate in your strengths mm. to move forward. And yeah, it's a great company. Mm. I love the company. <laughs> I was already working on a plan and then I got a promotion to the showroom manager from assistant showroom manager. And as the showroom manager, you run that like a whole business. Mm. And so I had no idea when I was frustrated there running the profit and loss and hiring people and firing people and all the day-to-day -day business, I didn't realize that I was about to have my own business. Mm. So God like just had, it. hindsight is 2020. Mm -hmm. Back at all the things in my life, I'm just like, wow. God, you are able to do immeasurably more than I'm able to ask, think, or wish. So, yeah. you know, I was just talking with someone and we were talking about this idea that we always like to believe that we will make the right choices and know what we need to do. And, and especially for, for Christians, we, we want to believe that we're always going to seek God and we're always going to do what God wants. And we're always going to be willing, you know, if that thing happens, yep, I will be the one. We're like Peter who said, you know, Jesus, I will go to jail for you. I will die for you. But then when the opportunity comes to really live that out, he, he doesn't do it. And so you made an interesting comment that this brain tumor was an opportunity for God to break you and, and position you to be able to serve him in a really beautiful way. But I imagine that if someone had presented what you're doing now to you, that there may have been a part of you that would have been like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to seek God and whatever. I'm ready to do it. Why do you think that the Rachel pre-brain tumor, why do you think she would have possibly believed that she would have been ready to do anything for God, but wouldn't have been able to? So it's so interesting that you say that because seven days before I passed out with the brain tumor, I was on the phone with my best friend and I told her, what have I done for God? Why, you know, what is my real purpose? Cause I have not been through anything, huh, brain tumor. So Rachel, pre-Rachel was not prepared for anything because pre-Rachel was all about her own mm -hmm. ambition and not really seeking what God wanted for her life. And previous Rachel grew up as a Christian. I really say that I feel like I was saved before I was born because I was raised in a Christian household. My mom had me in Awana vacation Bible school, even Christian summer camp. Mm -hmm. And I went to a private Christian school growing up. And so I was raised the way I was supposed to be raised. Mm -hmm. I believe biblically. Have you heard of Tony Evans? Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. So I grew up in Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. And that is a very good foundation that I did have. Mm -hmm. But as a teenager, you know, you want your own things. You think you know best. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to do what the world was doing because I didn't fit in anywhere because of the foundation that I had and because of what I knew. So I think Past Rachel was a part of the world and allowed herself to be a part of the world. So she wasn't ready. And so I needed to get through what I went through to get where I am today. And I am so thankful for it. I seriously feel like it's the biggest blessing ever. Mm. And so you weren't overtly trying to put God aside, but there was something within you internally that you weren't even fully aware of that God was like, this is the thing that's keeping her from actually seeking me like she desires to. And so I'm going to graciously help her (laughs) with that. And it sounds like a big part of that was that self-preservation, that self-seeking. Yeah. Amen. I didn't know this was counseling, but I like it. I appreciate it all the way. (laughs) Well, and the other thing that I am intrigued by in your story is a lot of times when we think about healing, the story goes that it's like on the back end that we engage that part of it. On the front end, we're going about our life and then a thing happens. And then we realize, oh, now I need to seek God for this. And, and that is a part of your story. You didn't know you had a brain tumor. And then when you discovered it, there was a lot of prayer, but you made a, an interesting comment that when you were passing out, you felt like God said, everything's going to be okay. Watch what I'm going to do. Instead of it being that this thing happened and then God was brought into the story afterwards, God started the story. Oh yeah. God was like, Hey, I already know what's going to happen. You don't even need to pray for healing because You don't even know that you need healing yet, but I do. And I'm actually trying to heal something more than this brain tumor that I can just take care of like that. Tell me a little more about that experience for you of recognizing that God was at the start of the story before you even knew the story was starting. Yeah. um, Well, I told you I was raised as a Christian, so I'm thankful for the, the foundation that I was blessed with. But even in my career path, like at the very, very beginning at my college in, in high school, like just before the world was really going, you know, it just blows my mind. But I just really, when I look at my career path mm-hmm. and the steps I took, or like I said, even my schooling and how that all aligned, it just really kind of blows my mind because I have always naturally been a communicator mm-hmm. and I've always naturally been a speaker. And so I was trained in these aspects in elementary. I was winning poetry contests. Uh, In college, I was trained in speech communication. That's my degree specifically. Uh, And so I was working on talking and speaking all the time. And then I ended up at a television station in the sales department, but I was just like, I know I don't belong here. And all along while I am doing the things that I think I'm doing for me to advance myself in the world, God is directing me. Mm. And yes, I saw him, but I was not paying attention fully. I was a part of a church, OCBF, or Cliff Bible Fellowship, was always a part of my life. My mother has always been a member, even when I veered off and visited other churches and tried to find me. But the other churches were more adaptable to the world. Not necessarily that they were with the false teaching or they were all the way off, but I believe they identified more with the world. Mm. And so, yes, I saw God, 
but I wasn't cleaving to him. I wasn't actively seeking him. I was going to church because I was a member of a church and I serve because I'm called to do. And my ministry is greeting even now at OCF, I'm back at Oakland Bible Fellowship and I, I greet as a member of my service, but at the other church that I was at, which honestly, okay, I, now I'm on a roll. I apologize, Paul. Um, the church that I was at that was more identified with the world and what the world was seeking. I love the church, love the pastor, but I still have not heard from them to this day about the brain tumor or what I was going through. Yet OCBF and Lake Point, my dad and stepmom are members at Lake Point, and they were at the hospital to pray with me the morning of the brain surgery. Wow. And so that was really impactful for me. But back then it was all about Rachel and a little bit of God. Yeah. And actually Pastor Evans often says, when we invite someone in our house and we say, make yourself at home, we don't expect them to go through our different rooms, get in the bed or go through our closets and see what our clothes look like or anything. Mm -hmm. But we expect them to go and sit down on the couch and just do what we ask them to do basically and get, you know, you want something to drink? Let me get you something to drink. Mm -hmm. And that's how we do Jesus. We ask him to come in, but we don't give him every aspect mm -hmm. of our hearts, of our lives. And I do that now. And I was like that, like Jesus, make yourself at home. But I really wasn't doing that. Yeah. You know, you, you made an interesting comment that, um, you know, really caught my attention. And you said something to the effect of you saw God, but you weren't paying attention. And I love that because, I mean, obviously my podcast is called, where did you see God? <laughs> right. And so part of the journey is getting to a place where we believe that God exists and that we can see him, but you're tapping into something that I think is really important for Christians because most of us believe that reality, that you can experience God, that you can look for God, that you can seek him. And we can believe that we are seeing him and not realize that we're not paying attention. One of the passages that I used to love really talking through when I was running internships and spring break trips, I would do a back-to-back -back John 12 and then John 13. And John 13, I would really focus on what does it really mean to serve? And that's the passage where Jesus really takes on the form of a servant and washes the feet of his disciples. And they do not understand what he is doing, but he's like, I want to show you the full extent of what love looks like. But chapter 12, is when Jesus is entering Jerusalem. It's the triumphal entry. What I love about that passage that I think we miss is that everybody there that day saw Jesus, but there were a lot of different perspectives on what they were seeing. There were some people that rightly saw Jesus. Like they, they just had a sense and knew this is the son of God. This is someone amazing. I would imagine Mary would be in the mix of those who rightly understood and saw Jesus for who he was. Then you had some of the disciples that they knew Jesus was great and all that, but they still had kind of a shifted understanding that he was going to be this big ruler. And look, everyone's bound down, so I'm going to be second in command. Then you had people in the crowd that maybe they just needed something in their life. They needed a healer. And so they saw this opportunity to be healed. Not so much Jesus, the man, but what Jesus could do for them. You had the Pharisees who saw a threat to their way of life and saw Jesus as someone to be eliminated. You had the random guy walking down the street, like, who's that guy? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go buy my bread now, right? And then you had others who believed in this sense of a God 
but weren't Jewish. And so they were curious. They're like, I can tell there's something important about you, right? So you have all these people seeing the same thing and having very different experiences. And pre-tumor, you were seeing God, but you weren't really paying attention. And you've shared some of the reasons why, because you didn't want to be different. Like you wanted to be accepted. You felt like you knew what was best for you. You were trying to get towards something. And that's the truth for all of us, right? At any given moment, we have a lot of reasons why we aren't paying attention to God, even when we are trying to seek him. And sometimes God uses these opportunities where we actually have no control. I'm trying to figure out a good way to word it because we get to a tricky place here where someone could say, well, are you saying that God gave her a brain tumor? Like that just seems cruel. And we can get into some murky theology there. But I think what we're really trying to say is regardless of the situation, regardless of who caused it, regardless of any of those factors, there is a loving God who had been with you before the tumor, who whispered, hey, it's going to be okay, and who used that to do abundantly more than you could have asked or imagined because you had the things you were asking for, you had the life you were imagining, and then God was like, oh man, she doesn't know yet. I'm about to do something different. And my guess is, based on your smile, that you wouldn't trade what God's doing now for what you were pursuing. Even the best case scenario of what you were pursuing, you wouldn't trade it for what God's doing now. Mm-mm. Would not. In light of all that, what is different about how you pay attention to God? So that, that is such a great question. Before I answer that question, two of my friends, you when your comments that you made, you brought up two comments that they have made. One with the tumor, she asked me uh, when we were at dinner or something, she said, did you think you were going to die? I thought you were going to die, but I never, that never crossed my mind. Never. Mm. Like God gave me peace the entire way through. Thank you, Jesus. And my other friend, she says, you know, I tell God often that I admire you and his relationship, but I don't want a brain tumor. Mm. So, you know, like there's things that you have to go through to, you know, get there, but God is there. You seek him, you will find him. And how I see him now and our relationship is so intimate, I claim, because I start with him first thing every morning. Mm -hmm. And I believe that as Christians, we need to make sure we are spending daily time with him, just him and you not any music, not TV or your phone or anything like just a quiet time, kind of like a war room. I don't know if you saw that movie, but Uh, yeah, yeah. it's like a war room. Get your closet set up, everything on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but even if you don't have that, like just a space for you and him to connect because prayer is a conversation. It is not just a one way. God help me this God, 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 I need, I need, I want, I want. He's not a genie. He is God. You know, he's our ever-loving, everlasting father. The same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Love that. So I have my quiet, quiet time. So I do a worship song, just really get my heart and my mind prepared. And then I have my quiet, quiet time. Quiet, quiet time. Again, it's just no sound, no music, no light, 
know anything like it's basically kind of meditation mm -hmm. but i just listen to what the holy spirit has for me in the morning and that really resonates with me because it sets me up for my day because when i wake up the first thing i normally have are anxious thoughts about my to-do list about what i need to get done about what i did not get done yesterday about how i am not good enough or competent enough to accomplish what god has called me to do and i just need his reassurance every morning and i believe that just really sets me up for the day i run a program called early mornings with a dose of jesus i tell people give me 10 minutes but my goal is five minutes or less and that's at 6 a.m central standard timing but before i start at 6 a.m i wake up at three so i can make sure i get my quiet quiet time so god can pour into me so i can pour into others yeah we uh recently had an episode that was focused on centering prayer on silence and i love that you just continuing the emphasis on these many ways that we can connect with god you know, you mentioned a conversation. And if we push that further, what we're actually talking about is communication and communication takes various forms in everyday life. You and I are communicating with back and forth dialogue, but sometimes you might be with a really close friend and y'all don't say anything at all, but you're present with each other and something is being communicated, right? So even in silence, God can communicate and we can communicate with God simply by our posture of sitting and being with him. And so, you know, I love that you're sharing that. And I love that you're making an emphasis of that. And what's beautiful is it's in that seeking and listening. Like you mentioned you're listening for the Holy Spirit, that really we can discern these opportunities to grow closer to God. And I love what you shared about what your friend said, because I think the sentiment that she held is one that we all hold at various points and sometimes multiple points in our life. She essentially was saying, I would love to have that kind of relationship, but not if it costs this. And her line there is a very fair line. Who among us would desire a life-threatening brain tumor? <laughs> like Nobody. Who among us really desires hardship? We could be like Peter and say to Jesus, I'm willing to die. But there are still parts of us that are afraid at what it could cost. And that's ultimately what your friend was saying and what we all say is it's less about the brain tumor and it's more about, I desire to have a relationship with God, but there is a point at which it will cost too much. And I think this is what's so important for us to realize is that we do have points at which it is legitimately too much. But the invitation is, is nothing is too much for Jesus. Nothing is too much for God. And Jesus is actually inviting us past that too much point. Because the reality is, is your friend very well may not have the capacity to make it through a brain tumor. <laughs> you know, when we look at some of the hardships that people share that brought them closer to God, we may hear that and say, there is no way I could have made it through that. We may be 100% correct. And that's the whole point is Jesus is not inviting us to be self-sufficient. He's not in inviting us to get through. He is inviting us to come to him. We see that with the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he's, he's been living his life in a way to seek God. And he says, what's left? What do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus is like, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And he goes away heartbroken. <laughs> now, some people could read that passage and use it in a prescriptive way. 
oh, well, based on this scripture, I need to sell everything I have and give it to the poor and follow Jesus. That's not what Jesus is saying, because Jesus knew the heart of this man. And he knew something that we don't actually know. Maybe it was that this guy did struggle with greed. Or maybe it was this guy was afraid of what could happen if he lost his financial security. Or maybe he worked really hard for that wealth and to give it away would be like throwing away his life's work, right? There could be any number of reasons. But what Jesus knew is that the barrier for this guy was that his wealth was keeping him from being able to fully follow. And the only way that this guy could actually follow Jesus was if he was willing to die and it could cost everything. I'm glad you mentioned your friend's words because I think it's a word we all need to hear is that even you and I now, regardless of our stories, regardless of what brain tumors we've been healed from or what jobs we, you know, it's like, regardless of our stories, we are still at risk of putting our lines up. Jesus, I'm willing to go with you wherever, but ah, ooh, I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> so, and here's the encouragement, even Jesus, even Jesus, the son of God who came from heaven had that moment. That moment is not a sin in and of itself because Jesus is like, I know the path you're calling me to. I know the cup you want me to drink. And if it's possible, can we get another cup? Mm -hmm. But not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus knew what those words meant. Those words meant humiliation, Mm -hmm. torture, excruciating pain, rejection, not just by people, but by those closest to him. Rejection of looking Peter in the eyes as Peter, who said he would die for him, said, I don't, I don't know. Like, we will never fully know the pain that Jesus endured in order to love his father. And so when he asks us to endure pain, he's not doing so as a cruel, cruel God. He knows. He knows what utter, utter, utter pain is. He has walked through it. And so his invitation is actually one of love and grace. Because whereas Jesus was alone on the cross, we are never, ever alone in our hardships. You are not alone. The moment you started to fall, God had already let you know, I'm right here. I'm right here. So we never have to experience that pain alone. I do have one thing to piggyback off of about him and his pain. That is so good that you said that because... That is how I get through MRIs now. Mm. So I'm a little bit of a claustrophobic person. And when I started having to get MRIs, you know, I was on medication a little bit before. Now, Now I am not, but I started with medication going into that tube and staying there because I've had MRIs for up to two hours. Goodness. But recently I just have had the thought like Jesus went through way more than this what are you panicking about? How could you even panic? At least you are laying down. Nobody is hurting you. You're in a small space. You have a fan blowing on you in case you're too hot. You have a blanket on you in case you're cold. And it just, I don't know, blows my mind. All that he went through for me, for you, for us. And it just heartwarming. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing. And I'm looking up a verse as you're talking. Uh, This isn't the verse that I want, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. I think you're completely right. Anything that we go through, it really doesn't compare. And I think what's so beautiful is it's not just that Jesus has gone through more, but that there's an invitation that we can miss if we reject suffering, if we avoid suffering, if we resist suffering. There's a lot of verses. And I can mention this isn't the one that I wanted, but in 1 Peter 4.13, it says, but 
rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And I don't know which verse it is that I'm looking for in my mind, but there's this idea of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And I remember there being this moment where I was in the midst of hardships and it was just, it was just too much and things weren't working out and I was being mistreated. And I went up to the front of the church and knelt down at the makeshift altar. And I wanted to go there to pray about my sufferings. And I remember having this sense similar to what you shared is it started off as Christ has suffered way more than I have. The worst things I'm experiencing right now do not compare with what Christ experienced. But then I was reminded of these verses and this idea of sharing in the suffering of Christ and knowing that a lot of what I was suffering was because of my desire to seek God. These verses suddenly took on relevance that the goal shouldn't be for that suffering to be removed. But I suddenly had this sense that there was an invitation before me that God was saying, look, share in this. And what was so beautiful is for the first time in the midst of the suffering, I was reminded of Christ's suffering, not in the negative sense of it, but that now I suddenly understood Christ in a new way, that because of the sufferings I was enduring, I had a little bit more of a taste of what Jesus endured. In other words, I felt closer to Jesus because of that sharing in the suffering that I could never have felt if I simply was just learning about him or celebrating him. And so sometimes in our efforts to avoid the things that we don't want, the pain, the hardship, the risks, the threats, we are also avoiding Jesus himself. And I'm just so grateful like for you and your story that God so graciously invited you in, giving you a heads up that you would be okay, giving you a peace that defied understanding in the midst and bringing you through to a place where you know him more deeply and you know yourself and your limitations more deeply so that you're able to connect and understand him in a way that you never could have on your own. Yeah, amen. You know, there may be people listening that are in that position of, I desire to grow closer to God and know his will for my life, but I'm so afraid of what it could cost me. What would your encouragement be to them? How would you encourage them to keep stepping towards God? So I don't know if this is just the best way, but what pops in my head, I don't know if you've heard of Andy Minio, the hip. <laughs> the hip yes. So he has, I think it's, you can't stop me. His song, you can't stop me. The last line in one of his verses says, my God's good, but he's not safe. Mm. And so that really encourages me because everything that God asked me to do, I'm not going to consider safe, mm -hmm. but I am safe in his hands. And so are you. He's got you. He's got this. And there is a much bigger, better plan that you could ever imagine. And it's interesting also, Paul, that you ask me this question, because for the last few months, yes, this has been months, it really might have been this whole year, but the last few months specifically that I'm remembering this, in my quiet, quiet time, the Holy Spirit continues to tell me, keep going, keep mm. moving forward because things aren't moving as fast as I want them to in my right. humanly mind and eyes. But he just keeps telling me, keep moving forward. I have you. And I'm like, you do. And anytime something happens these days, he's like, what have I done before? He continues to remind me of what he's already done and to think about what he's done for me, not even for anybody else. Like, look at what he has done for me already. And it's just mind blowing. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage you to keep going. God's good, but he's not safe. 
Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> now I've got that song going through my head. <laughs> you can't stop me. Yeah. <laughs> but what's so hilarious is the things that God's not safe for are the things that are going to fade away anyways. But our problem is we exhaust ourselves protecting the stuff that's going to fade. And the more we are willing to die to self, to die to, I mean, Jesus is explicitly clear, unless you hate your father and your mother and your spouse and your kids and even your own life and take up your cross, like you can't follow me. Like he's really clear. We have got things that we are protecting and we just can't move forward otherwise. You know, the other thing I love about what you were sharing is what we are talking about is simple, but hard. Yes. And people can think that to take the next step, you have to understand everything. You have to know exactly how you're going to step. You're going to have to be smart enough or strong enough or spiritual enough. Mm -hmm. And the reality is God is the one who is meant to be enough. We are simply meant just to step, yep. even if we're not smart enough or wise enough or healthy enough or, you know, it's like, that's all it takes, which put in another way is anybody listening now, no matter what they think about themselves or what their situation is, they can take that keep going step because yep. all it takes is just taking it. Yes. And that's just, that's just beautiful. He does not call the equips. He equips the called. Mm -hmm. And also what you said, if he's asked you to do something, I have learned that if you don't do it, he will do it. And sometimes you don't want it the way that he does it. Uh -huh. And I say that because of relationships or friendships, God has told me, release this friendship or relationship and I don't do it. And then he does it. And I'm like, uh, why did you do it that way? Yeah. Well, this is just so encouraging. And I want to ask one more question, but before I do, I can see your book, but the listeners can't see your book. So if anybody wanted to engage with your content, connect with you, what's the best way for people to hear more of what God's been sharing with you? Yeah. So I have a website, www.rlindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, no E-Y-A-Y, <laughs> unlimited.com. You can join the email list on the first page of the website, but then you can also email me at rlindsayunlimited at gmail.com and Facebook and Instagram. I am rlindsayunlimited. And all in all, my name is Rachel McCants. And that's the way Jesus spelled it in the Bible. R-A-C-H-E-L. Just saying. <laughs> Put that out there. Um, McCants. But I would love to hear from you. And ladies, as we love ourselves, a six-step program to self-worth is on Amazon. So you can get that there. And I have heard from both of my brothers and other gentlemen and husbands from my friends who have gotten the book say, this knows no gender. They're like, Rachel, why is it ladies as we love ourselves? I'm like, that's just the title, but please enjoy. Everyone enjoy, it's not just for ladies. So yes, I would love to hear from you and engage with you, please connect. And just to wrap things up, I always like to make space if there's anything else on your mind or in your heart that you just feel like you need to share. When you were mentioning the sufferings for Christ, it really disturbs me a little bit, but like I know, I know they're with God, so it's all good. But just how some of the disciples' lives ended mm -hmm. is just like they did suffer for Christ all the way through. And they're great examples, but that is still a little concerning or scary, should I say? 
Yeah, I remember when I was younger, there is this big push around celebrating and learning about martyrs. There's a, I think Jesus Freaks was a book that came out that through DC Talk and their song, but it kind of chronicled different martyrs and how they died. And I remember having this sense of like, ah, like I want to live for God, but I hope it doesn't get to that point. You know, I think it's, I don't know, again, like we've already talked about how much we protect our lives, but I've had this thought floating since mid-conversation and I, I keep losing it. It keeps coming back. But I think what we need to recognize is, you know, you said earlier that God's not safe, mm -hmm. but I think sometimes our fear comes from believing that God might just be mean. God might just do something hurtful to me. You know, that's our main fear is if we really trusted that God was good and he invited us into something scary like martyrdom, if we really believed in his goodness, we would step in. But I think there's a part of us that is afraid that God is going to intentionally hurt us in order to do what he wants to do or intentionally rob us of something. And I think that's part of our invitation is God is God, so he can do what he wants, <laughs> but God is good. And so anything that he does, because he is love, love is going to be the core of all of his actions and decisions for us that's part of the way that we can push against our fear is learning more and more what it means that God is love. Yeah. I love that. I love that a lot. And he is love and he has it. You said it perfectly, but a friend told me that not too long ago. Well, years ago before the brain tumor and stuff, because I was worried about consequences and stuff. And this will be a whole nother conversation. So <laughs> if you do, <laughs> that is fine. Um, but yeah, because he is love. He is love and his ways are above all ways. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the one. You're healed, you're clean. Go out, tell the nine, starting in verse 57, says this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I remember the first time hearing that passage, I felt like Jesus was being kind of mean. I mean, here are people that want to follow him, and he is setting the bar way too high, and he is rejecting some legitimate excuses. The dude wanted to bury his father. The other wanted to say goodbye to his family. And Jesus drew a sharp line and said, now, I remember it seeming so cruel, but I can't help but think about this passage in light of the conversation with Rachel. Because if we really boil it down, what Jesus is trying to communicate here is how important it is to know that there can be nothing else before him if you really want to follow him. Jesus was not cruel. We get pictures of how much he cares about those who passed, like when he wept at Lazarus's funeral. 
We know how much he loves families because of so many stories of him affirming that. So this isn't a passage about a cruel man who is demanding you have nothing else. This is the story of a loving God who knows our propensity to create conditions. We have conditions on how much we're willing to follow God, whether we acknowledge it or not. Rachel shared that one of her friends said, I admire your relationship with God, but I don't want to get a brain tumor. And aren't we all like that? We, like Peter, may get to the point of saying that we are willing to follow Jesus anywhere. But there are moments where it becomes clear that that's not true. When it could cost us a relationship, when it could cost us our job, when it could impact our health, when it could threaten our very lives. Like the people that were coming to Jesus here, we have conditions. We will say to Jesus, I want to follow you. But then we will have some condition to say, but not quite yet. Or only when this happens. Or first, let me dot, dot, dot. And let's just be honest about that. Let's just acknowledge the fact that we have a lot of conditions on whether or not we will follow God. And here's the good news. Jesus was still loving in that moment. God is still loving in our moments. The invitation is continuing to be extended to us to follow. And God in his goodness knows that sometimes it takes a lot for us to break away from the things holding us back. That's what we heard in Rachel's story. She desired to seek God, but there were other things that she wanted that kept her from actually fully following God. And God in his graciousness walked her through something that has brought her to a place that is abundantly more than she could have asked or imagined and brought her to a place where she knows him more deeply and desires more deeply to follow him. She has seen what it looks like to lose and now she's less afraid to lose. She has seen the conditions that she placed on her ability to follow Christ, and now she is learning to let go of those conditions. Has she arrived? No. Just like the Apostle Paul, it's not that we've attained perfection, but we continue to run the race. It's okay that you have conditions that keep you from following Jesus. It's okay because it's the reality of our humanity. But today you have an opportunity to confront that. Today, you have an opportunity to even ask God, God, are there any things that are keeping me from actually following you? Because like Rachel mentioned, we could address this on the front end, or we could just end up still experiencing it and be blindsided. The truth is, our pursuits are the things that hurt us, not God. Our conditions are the things that separate us, not God. God is present and active and loving, a God who gives good gifts even though we don't deserve it. And he will graciously remain with us even when we choose other things, even when we put those conditions up. He will continue to walk with us just as Jesus continued to walk with the disciples when they had their own conditions, because he knew something that we don't. He knew who he created us to be, and he knows how to bring that true identity out in a beautiful way. God wants to bring healing to you now, but he also knows that you are putting conditions up on that healing. He is willing to walk with you through that journey. But today you have that opportunity to say, all right, God, I want to bring down some of those conditions. Make space to ask God what conditions are there and how you can move forward. And then as you go through the day, ask yourself, where did you see God?
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?